Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. I love that. Um, what a beautiful picture that, that thousands of years ago, the story of the children of, of Israel and their deliverance from Egypt. We even sang about it in the second song. That's what we actually celebrate today. It was a foreshadowing that now because of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, the judgment of God will pass over us. What an amazing thing, an amazing truth to celebrate on this Easter Sunday. And look, I know this is the late service. You guys are the remnant. Come on. Amazing. So proud of you. And I know right after this, I'm sure you've got Easter plans, and Easter's just always such a busy day, and we've got the family stuff, everybody's dressed up, and you got to get the pictures, and then get the kids out the door, get everybody dressed, and da, 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 and it's just, and it can be a lot. But let's make sure that we don't lose sight of the fact that what Easter, if you take nothing else away from today, that today is about new life. Easter Sunday is about resurrection life. And I want to just take a couple minutes and, and tell you a little bit of Katie and I's story and how we have journeyed into resurrection life and that the availability of new life is here for you today. So you can't really step into new life unless you first deal with the old life or maybe the, 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 the current life. And so I think we'd all agree, it's pretty, pretty much you know universally understood that we are not perfect as humans. We're not perfect. We make mistakes, right? And if, you, if you're like, oh, I don't know about that, I just really believe that all human beings are just born intrinsically good. Do you have children would be my question for you. And listen, I have great kids. I love my kids. They're actually really well-behaved. But I'll tell you what, if I put my two kids in one room with a 1,000 toys, an abundance of toys, more toys than they could even know what to do with, the only toy that the one wants is the one the other has, right? Somehow, selfishness has just been, been bred into them. We didn't teach them that. Didn't teach them to be selfish. Didn't teach them to snatch away from their brother and sister. There's, and it shows us that there is actually something in us. And, and we all, generally, we all know that. We, there's something a little off, a little broken, right? And we need forgiveness. And that's what Good Friday, the death of Jesus, was all about. Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, forgiveness is actually, it's a, it's a financial term. To be forgiven means that you owed a debt and that debt was removed and you, the, the debt has been forgiven. And that's exactly what Pastor Jurgen talked about in, in Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So it means that the payment required for breaking the laws of the kingdom is our life, right? And you may think, I mean, wow, it's pretty heavy-handed. It's a little harsh. God's being a little bit of a meanie. Why don't you just chill out a little bit? But it's really not that far-fetched at all. It's really exactly the same way that our society operates. If you commit a crime, if you break the laws of our kingdom, of our land, of our government, then you will actually owe 
part of your life in the form of time, in the form of prison time. And actually, if the crime you commit is grave enough, you will owe all of your time. It will cost you your life, right? So it's really not that far-fetched. We need forgiveness. Now, but listen, I I always was, um, I was a little... So I was new to faith and, and just trying to figure all this stuff out. There was one thing I really didn't understand. You know, and I, I kind of, I, I got that. I, I mean, I know me. I know how screwed up I am. So that wasn't a hard sell that I was imperfect and in need of forgiveness. I was on board with that. No problem. Got it. But then why all the, why all the drama? Why does Jesus have to go to the cross and die this brutal death and, and then, you know, then get buried and then it takes three days? I don't know. It could, have been, it could have been minutes. God can do whatever he wants. But for some reason, he waited three days and let the tension build and the suspension build. And, like, why? Why do, we have to, why do we have to do all that? Why did Jesus have to? I mean, if God is all powerful, he can do anything he wants. Why couldn't God just say, my children, I forgive you. And it just go away. Well, think about it this way. Let's say that I borrow my good friend Tyler's car. Very nice forerunner. Love it. I'm a little covetous of it sometimes, which is breaking the 10th commandment, but it's okay. Forgiveness. Let's say I borrow Tyler's forerunner, and I'm out driving, running errands. I go to the bank. I go to Target, and then I'm just backing out of my parking spot, and and I have run into a light pole in Tyler's beautiful forerunner. Oh my gosh. And I could take it to a body shop and they say it's going to be 2,500 bucks to fix. I'm like, oh, $2,500? I don't have $2,500. I can't afford it. What am I going to do? And so I go to Tyler and I'm like, Tyler, man, I'm so sorry. I'm, I don't know what happened. I was so distracted and I bumped into a light pole and, and I, there's a big dent in your car and it's $2,500. I can't afford it. And then Tyler says, it's okay. I forgive you. Now I want you to think about what would happen in that moment. Here's what wouldn't happen. It's not like the instant Tyler says, I forgive you, the dent in the car goes and just pops back out. The dent in the car is still there. When Tyler forgives me, what he is saying is, I am absolving you of the responsibility of that debt, and now it rests on me. So now Tyler is going to have to pay $2,500 to fix the bumper of the car, or when he sells the car, he's going to have to sell it for $2,500 less. No matter what, that debt must be paid. The forgiveness part just means I am absolving you of responsibility for the debt, and I am taking responsibility for that debt. The debt we owe for breaking the laws of the kingdom is our life, and that debt doesn't go away. It must be paid, just like the car bumper. But God, in his goodness, in his grace, has said, you know what, instead of you, I'm going to send Jesus, my son, to die in your place, satisfy the debt, pay the debt, so that you can be forgiven. And that's why we celebrate this. It's a weird thing to celebrate. I mean, this human being was, was massacred and brutalized, and it's a, we call it Good Friday, and we celebrate the death of Jesus. But that's why, because it, it means so much. It means forgiveness of all of our imperfection. And that's why people, you know, they wear beautiful cross necklaces with little sparkly diamonds, and, and they get cross tattoos on their bodies. And if you think about it, it's actually really pretty weird. The cross is a, it's a torture device. It's an instrument of capital punishment. It would be like if somebody came up to you and was like, hey man, I want you to check out my new, my new tat, my new ink. Hold on. And you're like, wait a minute. Is that, is that an electric chair on your forearm? I'm like, yeah. 
I just love God so much, you know. I just, I just want him to know that I'm forever. That's what it's like, okay? That's what it's like to wear crosses. It's an it's a instrument of capital punishment. But it means so much more than that. It's a symbol of the forgiveness available to us that our imperfections have been taken care of. And that's why we celebrate Good Friday. But guess what? Today is not Friday. Today is Sunday, three days later. And we are celebrating not just that Jesus died, but that three days later was raised from the dead. That there is new life. And so there's so much more than just forgiveness. Remember, forgiveness is a financial term. Forgiveness means to go from a negative to a zero. But who knows that God doesn't just let us live at zero. God wants more for you than just zero. So what we celebrate on Easter Sunday is not just that Jesus died and forgave our sins, but that he raised from the dead. And listen, that is a historical fact. We have, it's not a myth, it's not a legend. We have eyewitness reportage from incredibly accurate, perfectly maintained and kept historical documents. I don't have time to get into all that, but if you've got some questions about the come see me, it's one of my favorite subjects. You can believe that Jesus Christ actually, in real life, raised from the dead, appeared to thousands of people before ascending to heaven and resting at the right hand of God the Father. So it's so much more than just forgiveness. It's about new life. It's about launching into new life. So God doesn't just forgive, he also promotes us. He elevates us, he exalts us. The the big fancy theological word is that he justifies us. That you're not just forgiven, you're justified. I heard somebody say one time that to be forgiven means you may go, but to be justified means you may come. Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, verse five, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we haven't just been forgiven. We haven't just gone from a negative to a zero. We've actually been adopted into the family of God, actually called a son, a daughter of the Most High God. Imagine, just to illustrate the insanity of that, just imagine you've committed a crime and you know you're guilty. No hiding it. You did it. And so you've got a court date and you know what's coming. You know there's going to be a guilty verdict. You're found out. No way you're going to get out of it. And so you're just going to go to the courtroom and just hope the judge is going to give you a lenient sentence. And so you walk into the courtroom all forlorn, knowing, you know, what's coming. Go ahead, judge. Come on. Give me the guilty verdict. Let's get it over with. And you stand there before the judge. And the judge says, you know what? I forgive you. All charges dropped. Forgiven. I mean, you would be like, what? Yes. But then he says, you know what? More than that. More than just forgiving you, I'm going to bestow upon you the Congressional Medal of Honor. You'd be like, what? The Congressional Medal of Honor? Uh, You know, and then you'd like leave and people would come up to you and be like, oh my gosh. I mean, the, the Congressional Medal of Honor is the highest, like, military honor we have in this country for exhibiting, like, 
unbelievable bravery in the face of grave danger on the battlefield. I mean, it is, it is for the most elite of, of courage in battle. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're walking around wearing this Congressional Medal of Honor and people are like, oh my gosh, Congressional Medal of Honor, that's, that's amazing. Wow, you know, what, what branch did you serve in? And you're like, I wasn't even in the military. I mean, they would, they would, that would be a scandal. They would probably try to beat you up and say, you better take that thing off, right? Right? That's Christianity, Okay, it's that radical, it's that insane that you and I, sinners, undeserving, unworthy, that Jesus doesn't just forgive us, he actually bestows upon us the honor of the label of son of God, daughter of God. So when you walk around, you're like, yeah, I mean, kind of crazy. I guess I'm, I'm like a, a child of God now. And people are like, you? Yeah, right. Mike Yeager, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. I know who you used to be. It's scandalous, right? But that's what new life is. It's not just forgiveness for the old life. It's actually you saying yes and launching into an insane destiny, an adventure that God has for you. And I'm telling you this from experience. Ten years ago, my wife and I came into this church um, just a I mean, she was perfect, obviously. I was a mess. She was just fine, no blemish, perfect in every way. But anyway, I was a bigger mess. And she, I wouldn't even come. I was not even, I didn't even want to be here. And so she would actually show up to church. She would pray for me. I'm actually the product of a praying wife. And after a few months of that, I came to church and... I was a mess. I mean, I was, I was riddled with sin, dysfunction, with bitterness, with anger. I was wildly insecure, had no direction, no future. I had a very serious drinking problem. Our marriage was kind of okay, um, but sort of not really. And I was, I was just not really super fun to be around. I was, I was dubbed the awakened Grinch. I was the grouchiest person ever in the history of mankind, but little by little, bit by bit, brick by brick, God put me back together. And I began to actually, you know, maybe take ownership over the fact that maybe, maybe it really is true. Maybe my sins really are forgiven. Maybe God really does love me. And, and I'm not actually, I began to, to not view myself just as this wretched mess, but actually like, like a child of God. The Bible says that I'm, I'm a righteous man. I'm a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And I began to take ownership of that. And then God began to resurrect these dreams of mine, dreams that had been dead for years and years and years. And not only that, but he began to ignite new dreams in me, dreams that I didn't even, I didn't even know were, were a thing, like being a pastor, and you may be looking at me in my fancy pastor suit. And I'm, I don't normally dress like this, okay? I'm going to be honest with you, my wife dressed me. And I said, Katie, I am the man of this house, and in my house I will wear what? No, I didn't say that. She said, you're wearing this? And I said, yes, ma'am. I'm going to be honest, I feel a little silly. I feel like I should be at the Kentucky Derby drinking a mint julep betting on Seabiscuit, maybe going Chardonnay tasting at the Catalina wine mixer. I actually can't lift my hands past my waist. I can't. 
I was actually in worship and I was like, <laughs> and actually having my hand up here, it's cutting off the circulation to my. But apparently this is how pastors dress on Easter Sunday. I wouldn't know. I didn't go to professional pastor school. I didn't go to seminary, never wanted to be a pastor, actually had swore that I would never ever work for a church ever. You know, anytime you say stuff like that, God's like, oh really, I'll use that one. And now the life that my wife and I get to live is, we, like if you would have asked us 10 years ago to just dream up the most amazing, fulfilling life you could possibly think of, what would it be? I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't have even been able to articulate that this was, I didn't even know this was a thing that we could even ask for. We get to be a part of the telling of the greatest story ever told in the greatest city in America with the greatest people. I'm a pastor of the best church in all of San Diego. I am a business owner. I have an engineering consultancy. I have two amazing, two and a half amazing kids, one on the way. Married, I've been faithfully devoted to my wife that I am obsessed with. I have the best friends, the best friends, like the, the, the most rich community of faith of people that, that think like me, believe like me, want the same things as me. We raise our kids together. We vacation together because I have new life, resurrection life, really and truly. And so you, maybe, maybe, you're like, okay, that's a little arrogant. You're standing up there like, you know, if you want to live like me, listen to my words. And, and that's not what I'm saying at all. Maybe you don't want my life, and that's fine. But my question for you is, what does new life look like for you? What is new life for you? Maybe it's an addiction that you haven't been able to ever get away from. It's followed you everywhere you've gone. You've, it's, there's new life for you. There's new life. Maybe there's dysfunction in your family, strife in your family, and you are desperate for new life in your family. Maybe from your past, and you, maybe you've done things, said things, things you wish you could take back, but you can't. And it's just seemed to follow you everywhere you've went. You're just riddled with guilt and shame, and you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm telling you, there is new life for you today. New life. But the question, there's the important part. I'm telling you, it's true. I, I, like I know it's available for you. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that there is new life available for you? When I remember like years and years ago, just I had a million questions. Like I, I knew that I had, I had felt something and there, there was kind of this, this hole in my heart that I, I and I felt like I, I kind of had this, this emotional response almost to, to God, but I just, I had a million questions, a million doubts, a million things I hadn't figured out. And, but that's faith. If, if you're in here and you cross your arms and you say, you know what, I can't cross my arms because my suit's too tight. And you say, God, I'll follow you if and only if you answer every single one of my questions, then that's not faith. If God answers every single one of your questions, then that's knowledge, it's intellect. God is moved and impressed by faith. 
when you don't know the answers, you don't know what it looks like, you don't know how it works, you don't know how, how could it be that God's gonna give me new life? How, how, how could that, I don't understand how that could work. Exactly. But you close your eyes and you take a step. It's faith. So I'd love it if we just bow our heads and close our eyes as we close the service. And I wanna ask you, do you believe that you can have new life today? Bible says, most famous Bible verse ever written, almost everybody on earth knows it. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life, new life, resurrection life. Do you believe it today? And maybe you've never actually taken that step to believe it. Well, the, the mechanism for that belief is a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of belief. And I wanna walk you through how to pray that prayer. And so maybe you've never believed, never actually said yes to new life. And here in a second, I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask you to shoot your hand up so I know who I'm praying with. Or maybe, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you, you know, you once walked with God, but you've just fallen away, slipped away. I know life can be crazy. The devil can, can kick you and get you down, but you know it's time to get back up. God is calling you back to him, back into new life. Or maybe you're just in here and you just feel far from him, far from God, and you know that he's wanting to reconnect with you today, to give you new life today. If you're in any one of those categories of people, here in a second, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to shoot your hand up so I know who I'm praying with. So on the count of three, if you're in any one of those groups of people, here we go, one, two, three. Who needs to pray that prayer today? Awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Who else? Who else needs to pray that prayer? Awesome. See that hand over there. Amazing. I see that hand right there. Who else needs to pray that prayer today? Accept new life for the first time, for the thousandth time, whatever. It doesn't matter. Once I've seen your hand, you go and put it down. About five or six of you. Who else needs to take that step of faith into new life today on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday? Well, come on, church. Can we give a big round of applause? About five or six of you that raise your hand. So amazing. Let's go and hop to our feet really quickly. Come on. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close down the service here in just one second. But I do want to pray for you, as I said I would. And I actually want to do it personally. Now, I can't get to, to all of you. But what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to do something really, really brave here in just one second. And if you raise your hand, I want you to make your way out of your seat. Come down here. I'm going to get off of the stage get down and I want to shake your hand and meet you and pray with you personally. I'm going to walk you through a very, very simple prayer. So if that's you and you raise your hand or maybe you're sitting next to somebody that raised their hand, will you offer to walk down with them? Or if you were sitting next to somebody that you know should have raised their hand, go ahead and bring them down here too. So come on church, can we give them a round of applause as they come? Come on down. I want to meet you. I want to shake your hand. Come on.
what Easter Sunday is all about, resurrection, new life. And I want to tell you, I know, I know you're probably like, hey, I, I came to Easter Sunday and then embarrassed me and make me walk all the way to the front. And I just want to tell you that don't be embarrassed, that every single person standing behind you, everybody in front of you is through the roof excited for you because we know, we actually know what's on the other side of new life. And I want to just encourage you that this will be a, a day that you'll remember forever. And actually a really good friend of mine, I don't even know if he's in here anymore, um, Coach Chris Brown actually gave his life to God, I think it was 15 years ago, maybe 17 years ago, on an Easter Sunday just like this one. He's one of my best friends, amazing man of God. And I know that his story is going to be your story, that it's you are entering into new life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer. You're just going to repeat right after me. I'm going to walk you through a very, very simple prayer. But here's the cool thing. We're not just going to make you do it alone and just stare at you while you pray. That would be really weird. We're not going to do that. When you choose God as your father, you get a bunch of amazing brothers and sisters too. So we're all going to pray this prayer. We're going to drown you out. You're not even going to hear yourself praying. So come on, church, everybody in the building, let's say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today for sending Jesus on a rescue mission to save me. Today, on Resurrection Sunday, I know my sins are forgiven. Heaven is my home. God is my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.